Hey, it's good to have you here today. Uh, we are uh, in the middle of our series is we've been walking ourselves through the New Testament the last uh, several months, and we're going to take just a one week break from our New Testament letter studies and series. And today we're going to be offering you a message uh, called a limitless God. Um, this message is going to focus in on the vast power and really the unlimited aspects of God. Um, we really sometimes need to take a, a moment to realign our thinking and reground ourselves in who God is, how um, powerful, how big, how impressive He is. Because we have a tendency to treat God um, maybe distant, um, to treat him as if he doesn't really know everything about ourselves. Um, we might treat him as irrelevant from time to time. Um, maybe we can treat him as if he's for a different time in our lives, a, a different time frame. Maybe down the road, he will get a greater focus of our attention. Uh, maybe we think of God as uncaring, um, absent, Certainly, at least, we have times in our lives when we, when God carries a, um, a limited place or a limited focus in our lives. And I want for us today, there's this incredible chapter in the Bible, in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 55, that's going to help us understand how unlimited, the limitless aspect of God um, today, I want to give you the proposition that our God is limitless. Um, our culture is absolutely enthralled with uh, different pieces of culture, different ideas that push past boundaries and push past limits. Um, we love superheroes in our culture. Um, are you a DC Comics fan? Are you a Marvel fan? Um, we love to take a look at this idea or imagine things that are beyond boundaries, beyond human limitations, human limitations. We focus in on things that can fly, things that can explode, things that can blow things up, things that push past the boundaries. Um, we love watching the Olympics and we love seeing if someone can push past a boundary that's already been established. Can they break a record? Um, we, we loved watching uh, Michael Phelps break all of those um, records in swimming. Um, Flo Jo, Jesse Owens. We loved watching Usain Bolt as he you know broke records sprinting down the track. Carl Lewis. We, we've got these heroes because they have done stuff that no other human being has ever done. Uh, we pray for limits um, in the weapons race. Um, we don't want other countries to get weapons of mass destruction um, who don't know how or won't use um, some common sense in terms of controlling it. And so we are pretty focused in on limits and boundaries, whether it's breaking them or it's holding them back. Um, 
Just to whet our appetite a little bit, I would like to read a couple verses from Isaiah 55. It says here in verses 6 and 7, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Um, that emphasis on abundantly pardon is so neat. Um, really, God's forgiveness and God's ability and even desire to pardon is limitless. He, um, he looks at every person with the same grace, the same desire to have a relationship with them, um, the same uh, power in his forgiveness and his work on the cross to cover every sin. Um, his pardon is abundant. It's limitless. Now, that just gives us a little bit of an idea of what we're about to read here. Um, the next verses that follow, verses 6 and 7, are going to shed some light on different ways in which God is limitless. And the first way in which He is limitless is in His thoughts. Limitless thoughts. Um, let's read verse 8. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Have you ever thought about this before? And this really is a humbling concept to look at. The idea that God's thoughts are not your thoughts. God's thoughts are actually nothing like your thoughts. Um, this rather humbling revelation that our thoughts, our thinking, our perspective is not the same thoughts, not the same perspective as God's thoughts. Um, a prayer that I've been praying for about the last five years or so is, Lord, help me to think like you think. And really, that's uh, uh, this confession that more than likely, the way I am thinking is not lined up with his thinking. The, the, the perspective he has on the different pieces of my life, the different pieces of my community, the different pieces of the culture that I live in, I'm probably not seeing them or thinking about them the same way that God is thinking at them. Lord, I want to look at this. I want to view this the way you look at it. We really can start to think more like God as we spend time with Him, as we look at His Word, as we memorize His Word. We have an opportunity to grow in our thinking to be more like His. In fact, we get this invitation in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, when it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. You see, this invitation to be transformed into the likeness of God really takes place a lot in our minds, that our minds would be transformed, that we can prove what's good and the acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, God wants for us to think like Him. It's a lifelong journey of continual growth, continual maturity, continual thinking like uh, and, and investing in time with God where our minds are transformed into His likeness. But in what ways are his thoughts different than our thoughts? 
Well, I was thinking about some of the things, some of the attributes of God's thinking that especially are not there, that are there for us. One of the things that we have a tendency to focus on, and we can't help it hardly, is that we are focused on our limits. We can't help but to be focused on our limits. We as human beings have limits that God doesn't have. And so consequently, a lot of our thinking immediately goes to our limits, what we cannot do, what we cannot accomplish, what's physically impossible. And because we always are filtering problem solving, we're always processing life through what we cannot do, we, just by the sake of the fact that we can't do it, we have a tendency to Uh, miss God's perspective on it because we serve a God of the impossible. We serve a God where literally nothing is impossible. Therefore, he does not need to filter his thoughts through limits like you and I do. But we find passages of scripture. I believe this is in Hebrews 11 where it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, we want to please God, but you know what? It requires faith. And do you know what? In order for faith to be there, it's going to require a belief in the impossible. It's going to require a belief in the God of the impossible coming through. You see, God gives us this idea that, you know, uh, without faith, you know, faith will help you to move mountains, literally move mountains. Um, It's because you are tapping into what God's capable of doing, not so much what your limited power has to offer. Whenever you decide to look at a situation with faith, you're looking at how can God's infinite power be involved in this situation. That's faith. Faith is saying, God, you get involved here. But we have a tendency to look at the limits. All of our problem solving has limitations. But God's doesn't. God is able to do anything. He is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's all-sufficient. And since He is able to do anything... Um, His thinking is different. Um, Another situation or another aspect of God's thinking versus your thinking is that his thinking is not controlled by fear. You see, you and I deal with fear on a regular basis. It's always there. Um, We're thinking about, again, what can and can't happen. Um, We do not know the outcome of what will happen. Therefore, fear is often present. Worry, wondering about how something is going to work out. And you see, God's not controlled by fear because he's got this thing that allows him to see into the future. He's not bound by time. He's all-knowing. And so he doesn't struggle with fear. In fact, we find in God's word where it says that perfect love casts out fear. Um, we find that the Bible is, and, and Jesus's words were often focused on this concept of fear. I don't know how many times I've heard it said that there's 365 fear knots or do not fears in the Bible, one for every day of the year. I don't know how true that is. I've never counted them up. But nevertheless, we find many times Jesus says the word, do not fear. Do not fear. Um, Jesus would not have us to be focused on our fears and our worries. 
He would have us to be focused on what he is capable and and, in his goodness and his perfect plan. And that even if things feel or seem uncomfortable, he's still the author of life. And he's still the one who's got your days ordained. He's the one that's going to lead you and guide you should you choose to follow him. So he would ask you to do so without fear. Because he's not controlled by fear, but we often are. Uh, Another reason why his thoughts are different than ours is because his thoughts are not consumed with hate. Um, We often go through life struggling with this emotion of hate or unforgiveness. God's not controlled by hate. In fact, the Bible describes God as love. God is love. He's the epitome of love. So he is watching your life lived out. He's watching humanity lived out through the lens of love constantly, and yet we really struggle. We've got to um, oftentimes choose love when our feelings and our natural propensity would be unforgiveness or even hate. God doesn't struggle with that, but you and I do. So this makes his thoughts different. His thoughts are not focused on limits. His thought is not focused on fear. And his thoughts are not consumed with hate. And this is a lot of what the human experience is struggles with or deals with. I want you to think about for a moment, if your thoughts are not God's thoughts, and and that's an agreed upon basis. God's word says his thoughts are not your thoughts. It should be enough of a reason for us to more often keep our mouth shut. If my thoughts are not God's thoughts, then I should be slow in wanting to spew out my opinions. I should want to be slow in wanting to um, give everyone my thoughts out there because I can probably safely assume, especially on the outset, that I'm not thinking like God's thinking. And if I'm not thinking like God's thinking, I shouldn't stand up on my soapbox with my opinion too loudly. More than likely, I will be humbled. More than likely, it will be proven that my quick response um, is probably not in line with truth, not in line with reality, because I struggle with um, uh, limits, I struggle with fears, I struggle with hate and unforgiveness. All these things are often working in my human experience and in my thinking. We should pause a little bit (laughs) to say, Lord, I really want to have your mind before I say too much. Um, Here's another thing we find in Isaiah chapter 5. Not only are God's thoughts limitless, but we also find his ways are limitless. God has limitless ways. Let's read um, verse um, 8 and 9. It says, Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And again, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, his ways are not only different from ours, but they're higher and far beyond anything that we can even imagine. He said, as far as the heavens are above the earth. That's how high, how much more high my ways are than your ways. We're talking about the way of God, the way he does things, the way he goes about um, solving things, the way he goes about doing things. His ways are higher than our ways. But yet we spend much of our natural lives questioning God's ways, his allowances, his purposes, questioning his word. 
We look at how life is going. We look at circumstances. We, we, we assume that God's involved with it in some way, shape, or form, even the bad stuff. And we're quick to shake our fist in the air and say, God, I wouldn't do it that way. God, I wouldn't have circumstances to, to, to be this way, to feel this way. God, I, are you sure that you're involved here? Are you sure that you've uh, got this right? Um, we spend a lot of our time questioning God and His ways. Um, I want to share with you a, a video that uh, I came across this week. One of our church uh, attenders, Kevin Mills, posted this video um, just a, a few days, maybe a week or so ago. And it really fits really well with this point, how God's ways are different than our ways. Um, would you share this little uh, blog post that he put out there? So, Tyler, if you happen to watch this, you inspired me today by encouraging me. I should start a vlog or a blog. And I just had a situation happen that uh, some of you may find encouraging. Uh, I'm taking so much away from it. There, there's so many principles to be learned. But just off the top of my head. So the story is that I was washing my truck and got a very important phone call that was very valuable, both monetarily and also just uh, situationally. In a, in a lot of ways, it was a very valuable, very important phone call. And so I had to stop washing the truck so I could hear, obviously, the phone call. And there was a gentleman that was waiting in line to use the stall to wash his vehicle. And he saw me on the phone and he zipped over and very aggressively and, and got behind the truck. My initial reaction was to want to beat the living crap out of the guy. Um, just, you know, being perfectly candid. And he made some aggressive gestures, which uh, I certainly wanted to meet back with even more aggression. And then suddenly I realized, you know, this is a very important phone call. And this gentleman is worried about his time and wants to be affirmed that his time is important and that his 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 agenda is important. As I reached in my pocket and found a $10 bill and walked over to him and he rolled down his window and he says, are you done? And I said, you know, I'm on a really important phone call, but here's $10 towards your car wash. Now, what's kind of funny is that you talk about, this is one thing I love about Tony Robbins' material, if you've ever come across him, heard of him, uh, he has so much wisdom. And he talks about how we can change our state or our attitudes on a dime. We really can. And this was a perfect example because this guy went from being aggressive and upset to complete 108. Oh, I am so, so no, 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 I don't need your money. I don't, I, you know, blah, blah. And I told him, I said, I don't mind the uh, very important call. You know, he followed me and stuffed the $10 bill into the truck. He wouldn't take it. And I thought, you know, there's another principle, too, of how oftentimes the things that make us, fr the, the reason we get frustrated, we get angry in situations like that, like he did, because I've done that, too. I've, I've gotten, you know, I'm focused. My agenda's full. You know, I've been the same, but... That, that's why I'll leave. I've been the same type of person in behavior. But what's really interesting is when I acknowledged his importance and acknowledged his time and tried to pay him for it, he immediately did a 180 of being apologetic. And that's reflective of how oftentimes 
what the core of our fear is, which translates into anger, believe it or not, anger is a secondary emotion. Fear is always the primary emotion. At the end of the day, we're always afraid that we're not enough, that we're not sufficient enough. And so we oftentimes rely on anger or frustration to try and cover that sense of inadequacy. But when someone actually genuinely acknowledges it, it's funny because we're oftentimes the last one uh, or will be the first one to put down that acknowledgement. A perfect example is the inability of a lot of people to accept compliments, something that I've actually tried to get good at. When somebody gives me a compliment, just saying genuinely and sincerely, thank you, I appreciate that, that means a lot to me. Uh, so anyways, it's just some principles that, uh, that I just learned, was just reflective on. Maybe it's an encouragement to you. And thank you again, Tyler, for giving me a swift kick in the butt verbally today to do this. So as we take a look at this incident that Kevin had, he's at the, he's at the uh, uh, car wash. Um, a situation comes up where his actions of taking that phone call, causing a little bit of delay at the car wash, caused frustration in someone else's mind, someone else's situation. He comes up, this guy's angry. You had a moment like that? Someone's a little angry, a little frustrated with you. You're in a situation that's a little bit beyond your control and now you're getting yelled at, gestures pointed at you. Um, you can tell that there's a situation there. And when stuff like this happens, you, you have anger. You got frustration. Your flesh kicks in and you want to respond with fear or frustration, limit. You want to, you want to, um, let hate or unforgiveness. These are the natural things that flow out of us in these moments. Now, I want for you to take a look at two things related to Kevin's testimony. God's work is going on in this moment. Um, and there's, two different ways in which God is at work in our lives. One of it is God's ways to us. God's ways to us. What do I mean by that? Well, God is working in your life. He's working at your life. He is allowing things to come flying at your life. And oftentimes these things are unpleasantries, they're pressures, they're not welcome. We do not like the circumstance that's flying at us. And you realize that God is possibly orchestrating these things in our lives. God, um, you know, sometimes we think if, if God's in it, it's got to be pleasant. If God's in it, it's got to be miraculous. If God's in it, and we are quick to give God praise when things go our way. And we might be quick to put our, hand, our fist up in the air at God when things are not going our way. But have you ever considered that God's maybe at work in both? God is at work at both. And his ways are not your ways. His, highs are, his ways are higher than your ways. And if God is allowing unpleasantries into your life, pressures, frustrating moments, it would be wise for us to accept God your ways are so much higher than my ways and I don't like what's going on, but I'm accepting them as your work in me. So Kevin's got this person who's mad at him at the car wash and his flesh and his emotions are kicking up. And in that moment, he decides instead of, oh, this is just a bad moment. This is just a frustrating moment. No, this is a God moment. God, what are you doing at me in this moment? 
So then the second piece of the puzzle comes in, and that is God's way of coaching us. See, God allows circumstance to fly at us, and then he also works and his ways come into focus as he begins to coach us. And in this moment in Kevin's life, he coaches Kevin into doing something that's so counterintuitive, so different than what he's feeling like doing, and he drops this idea inside of his mind. Give the guy a $10 bill. Offer this guy who's mad at you and given you gestures, offer him and honor him. Say, I know that your time is important. I'm sorry that my delay is causing you problems. Here's $10 to help you with your car wash. Take it. Well, this God coaching moment turns into a deflating of the intensity and of the attitudes moment. God's idea brings the whole situation down from tense conflict to understanding, accepting, potentially a, an eternal life causing moment. For Kevin, it turns into the thing he walked from and say, wow, God's idea was so much better than my thinking, my way. My way was to fight. His way was to offer a $10 bill. And this coaching turns out to become a, a God moment for him and possibly a God moment for the guy who was given the gestures. You see, God's ways usually feel extremely unnatural. Our natural response to negative situations in life is to fight and to yell and to use obscene gestures. God's way is completely different and it's unnatural. You see, God's ways are infinitely higher than our ways. And friends, I want to challenge myself and you to recognize that God is working at us and then he wants to coach us. And so when you're dealing with really frustrating moments, can you look for God in it? Can you say, God, how are you working at me? And how do you want to coach me through it? And man, if we would develop that desire to follow the way of God, the way of Jesus Christ, um, and allow him into these moments, um, I think we're going to come out with big testimonies that impact our future and impact the future of others. So we find here that God's got unlimited or limitless thoughts. He's got limitless ways. And you know what else he's got? He's got limitless success limitless success. I'm going to read these next four verses, um, Isaiah 55 verses 10 through 13. I want for you to see how God is constantly successful, constantly successful. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. 
For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Here's what I get from these verses. Everything the Lord does works. Everything he puts in motion works successfully. He's got limitless success. And there's some examples in these four verses. In verse 10, we find here this description of God sending the precipitation to the earth and the and it produces crops. Things begin to grow, and it's a blessing to all of mankind. You see, God put in order to take care of his people, to take care of the world, to take care of the earth. He sends forth all of the seasons. He puts in motion everything that constantly goes. Now, I'm all for us being resourceful and I'm all for us recycling and I'm all for all of us doing our part to take care of the earth. God gives us that responsibility. However, I would like to calm everyone down for just a moment because this God is more than capable of taking care of this world. He's more than capable of taking care of climate change. He's more than comp He's more than confident to take care of everything that's going on in this world. Can we all just accept that? For just a moment, do your part, but trust the Lord, okay? He is more than capable. He takes care of the seasons and the world and the earth and the air and everything that you and I need. We also find here that this limitless, successful God um, also talks about his word going forth and it won't return void. So in other words, whatever God promises, whatever God says is indeed what will happen. He is a limitless, successful God. He will make forth whatever he said will happen will indeed happen. We can trust that. And then in verse 12, he talks about joy and peace and really celebration in the end. What I find here is that there will be um, a celebration. There will be joy and peace. This is the promises of God for his people. We get all stressed out about life. Our thinking and our ways are filled with fear and filled with all kinds of crazy motives. But what we need to do is trust that God's plan is good and it is for joy and it is for peace. And it is indeed a promise for you. Even in the midst of really yucky circumstances, God's plan is for joy and for peace. And so all of these momentary difficulties we have will be swallowed up in joy, peace, and celebration in the end. And then in verse 13, what we find here is sure fire order and victory. I want to read it to us again. It says, instead of the thorn, instead of something negative, the thorn shall come up the cypress tree, something beautiful and magnificent. You see, that's what God's going to make sure happens. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Basically what's being said here is that surefire victory, surefire order, what I intend to be the outcome is what will be the outcome. 
It's not going to be a thorn. It's going to be a cypress tree. It's not going to be a briar. It's going to be a myrtle tree is what he's saying. I will bring forth order and victory just as I intend. So with this idea that God is a limitlessly successful God, a God without limits in the success what should we be doing in light of this? How should we be treating God? How should we be treating life? How should we be moving forth from this understanding? Well, I want to read verse 6 and 7 again. Seek the Lord while you can find Him. That's what we should be doing. Seeking the Lord while we can find Him. Call on Him now while He is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God and he will forgive generously. This is our response in light of a God whose thoughts are not like our thoughts, whose ways are not like our ways, and whose successes are absolutely unlimited. Our response should be seeking the Lord, calling on Him, changing our ways, banishing our thoughts, forgetting what we think and turning to what He thinks. But rather, for us to understand that God doesn't really need any of us in this room to accomplish His plans um, and His purposes. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your brains. He doesn't need your effort. He doesn't need anything else that you think that you have to offer, but rather he's got limitless success and resources. So I want for us to realize that we don't get involved with God's work to make us feel good about it, but we do it because we are invited to seek the Lord while we can find Him. And as we seek Him, He brings us along in His thinking. He brings us along in His ways. And He brings us along in His success. And then we walk confidently through this life and into the next, knowing that we have been tapped in to this limitless God and His limitless success and eternal life with Him. And it will cause us to keep our mouths closed because we realize we're probably missing him most of the time. Spend more time in prayer. We're going to spend more time in his word because we want to be tapped into truth. We want to be tapped into him, the one, this limitless God. So I'm going to invite you to pray with me. And really, it's a prayer of repentance today. It's a prayer that, that we would confess our limits to the one who's without limits. Would you pray? Lord, I come alongside of my friends, my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And Lord, we confess that we often are missing your thoughts. We often are missing your ways. Lord, we so often are challenging you. We so often are giving you limited attention in our lives. Lord, I confess I'm quick to run to judgment. I'm, I'm quick to let my thoughts and wisdom be proclaimed way too much. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would forgive me, Lord, of my quickness to judgment, my quickness to spew off, Lord, my thoughts, especially, Lord, in how often they're short of yours. So often I've missed you, Lord. I pray, God, today that you would receive 
me and my brothers and sisters in Christ, O oh Lord, um, that you would receive, O oh Lord, our heart and our desire to know you, our desire to be tapped into you, Lord. Uh, I pray that you would help us to think more like you think. I pray, God, that you would shape our ways, Lord, that, that your ways would become more and more, Lord, um, our ways, that you would change us more into your likeness. And I pray, Lord God, that we would trust your limitless success. Lord, the fact that we have already um, been tapped into victory in the end, Lord, if we know you. Lord, that your success and your perfect plan, Lord, that is being accomplished, Lord, that we get to be a part of that. And so, Lord, we, we choose you today. We choose your ways. We choose your thoughts. We join in your successes, oh Lord, um, in our lives. And uh, I just pray, God, you just bless us um, your church as we seek you out in Jesus name. Amen.